0: Hello, and welcome to the Lunar Society. Sorry it's been so long since the Tyler Cowen interview. I want to thank all of you for joining this podcast so early on. I especially want to thank those of you who have been sharing these episodes on Twitter and other platforms. Since this is a new podcast, almost all of the views and listens I get here are because of your retweets and endorsements, so please continue sharing this podcast if you enjoy it. I also want to thank those of you who have bought me books and equipment off my Amazon wishlist. Scott Hamilton bought me the very microphone I'm recording off of. John Beattie donated Nassim Tayev's new book. Someone else donated Charles Murray's new book. And someone gifted me a $120 Raspberry Pi kit for embedded systems programming. If you're one of the people who anonymously donated, please DM or email me so I have a chance to thank you personally. And to Scott and John, I'm really grateful for your gift. I also want to let you know that I'll be writing daily at dwarkesh.substack.com. So please sign up there to receive my blog via email. The newest post I have out is titled, If Prediction Markets or Policies Were Legal," based on Robin Hanson's idea of a futurearchy. In fact, I just interviewed him for a podcast, so expect that in the next week. Okay, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Machaz Leonardis. Machas has co-written a paper with David Deutsch about the Palmer Miller Theorem, and we get into that, as well as the dangers of the scientific identity, the nature of scientific progress, and advice to young people who want to be polymaths. Machas is one such, as you will see. He's a fascinating person that I've had the pleasure of getting to know, and he has a broad range of interesting ideas, which we get into. So without further ado, here's Majjaz Leonardis. Okay, Machas, you have, co written a paper with David Deutsch about mm-hmm. uh, Bayes' theorem. But before we get into that, let's talk about the big picture questions. Science, uh, what is it? And is it, somewhat of a, is it somewhat of a confusion to even talk about it distinctly from other disciplines?
1: Um, well, so my view on that subject is that is that um often a, a lot of a lot of talk about science ends up being quite counterproductive I'm not saying that there is no such thing as science, but I definitely think that um um that sort of um, that people identify with science too much um they 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 wonder whether what they are doing is science um they they think they are scientists and wonder what is it that they should do in their capacity as scientists um and i think that often has a counterproductive effect on 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 basically what they do now one interesting thing to note is that is that you know the, the name scientist is actually um uh, an early nineteenth century invention um it was traced back to i think to um uh, to to professors at i think trinity college in cambridge um, and it's, uh, and, you know, people were able to do science before that, um, quite well. Um, and, uh, so, so w- one of the problems that I see, I guess, in that, in that respect is just that, uh, people, people perhaps think about, you know, uh, what, what is a scientist and, uh, sorry, who is a scientist and what is science a bit too much.
0: Mm. But uh, I don't know the history here. Did people not consider themselves natural philosophers before then?
1: Um, th- 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 there has definitely been sort of names for for um for this role um the the so 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 th- one way to sort of think about it is that people uh, p- people have always thought about the natural world though right so people have always you know tried to understand you know how um you know how how machines work how nature works how sort of everything does and and they often did that without you know ever becoming conscious of the idea that they were doing anything special or that they are playing a special role by doing so. Um, and you know, they were, they were able to sort of do it just fine. And one of the things that, uh, you know, at some point that obviously changed, um, you know, uh, this sort of idea that, that one is engaged in some sort of a special activity when one is trying to understand nature. And uh, you know there being kind of a special social role for that, like all of that obviously has to develop. Uh, but but it does seem to be the case that you can reach a better understanding of the natural world without it. Hmm. And Let there, me ask a there, question. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. And therefore
0: there is a question about you know whether it is actually helpful. Okay. Well, if the identity of scientists is not that useful. Then why do we have universities that we consider to be special places? And we employ people with tax dollars to do special things that, I mean, clearly they're not doing construction or, um, you know, building archers or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so like th- there is an activity, i.e. trying to understand the natural world that seems to work better when it is supported, uh, sort of both kind of, that it, that it is that institutionally um, and culturally supported. Um, so, you know, it is useful to have institutions that, you know, kind of, Keep all the relevant books at the same place, and kind of get some of the same people, um, um, you know, at the same place that sort of organize, you know, events and sort of where people can kind of sort of meet each other. Um, and and I think that that you know that that, that so, so I'm not disputing that um, there is an activity that is sort of worthy um, of, of of being supported, um, but but whether that sort of particular way of looking at that activity is is the right one um
0: is 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 less clear okay so you do identify there's a special role for universities and they're doing a distinctive acti- a distinctive activity well if it's not science they're doing how would you describe what
1: mm-hmm. the
0: thing they're doing is
1: right so so w- w- well okay so so perhaps to illustrate this right one um needn't needn't think of this activity in a unified way so for example like imagine that we had an institution and in this institution there would be you know somebody who was interested in um, you know liquid helium and uh, he would be writing about it and talking with all the people that were interested in it. And then you would have another person and that person um, would be, you know, interested in, in, you know, the way stars form and, and their, you know, evolution. And that person would be sort of, you know, again, writing about this, talking with other people about it. And, you know, you could have so on for, for just a bunch of other things. Now you can easily have an institution that would be sort of supporting all of these people in that, in that endeavor. Um, but you know, th- that, you know, th- but now, for example, if, if one, if one were to just kind of stop there, right, it's, it's not possible yet at that stage, you know, to sort of say, okay, well, well, all of these people are, are engaged in this, you know, unified activity, you know, called science and, oh, are some of them really doing it or, or not? Right. Everybody is just, it's just, you know, one, one person is doing this, one person is doing that. You know, one person is doing the third thing. So perhaps I mean an interesting right uh, comparison might be um, um, for for kind of the, the the particular view that I have is just like you know um, um, you know um, like like people have this idea of an entrepreneur, right? Um, well, you know, in, in a certain sense, um, you know, and, and all of these entrepreneurs are kind of trying to construct different companies, right? But nobody 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 is kind of asking the question, well. You know, is any one of these people actually entrepreneuring? Right? Um, that that is not a conversation that ever arises. So um, it, it is in that sense that that I think that um, that you can have an institution that supports that activity, uh, but you don't need to like understand it in this particular
0: way that that science is often understood. In. And so, what's counterproductive about the current understanding of science and scientists?
1: Right. So, so one problem um, with this idea is that the idea of sort of science and scientists comes with this idea that there is this particular method. In other words, um, that that you know one that one is somehow doing something more other than just being engaged, um, you know, with a, with a particular problem or question and pursuing it, you know, wherever it might lead. There, there is this idea that there is a specific method. That, that one ought to use to think about this particular question rather than just you know where where sort of the the question naturally leads you and I think that that um, uh this attitude or this idea can often stop people from doing sensible things that 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 um would otherwise that, 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 that you know that, that would that would help with sort of pursuing pursuing their their problem right so um uh, you know the, the thinking is that you need to pursue the various questions with a specific method as opposed to just where kind of the logic of the problem itself leads you and i 'm not saying that this that this actually affects everybody or that this is a sort of an across the board thing but it but it is sort of a, an argument that that often features um, the current conception of this, therefore you know as I said sort of before, kind of allows you to make criticism of somebody you know you can say, well, are they really doing this thing or not?" Uh, which is not a thing you could really do you know where where it just where people just sort of thinking about specific issues and what they did was understood in that way um and in general um i, I do think that like making making you know b- becoming conscious of what one is doing um and and uh, uh um you know kind of being um um and sort of classifying it or telling yourself a story about it um, is, is one thing that is known, you know, in, in several other fields to sometimes lead to problems. Um, you know, hence the term self-consciousness and uh, it being sort of productive,
0: it being deemed counterproductive in many areas. Mm, but let me make the counter argument. There is a sure. specific method, or at least a family of methods, right? We have Popper, we have, you know, um, falsifiability, testability. And, you know, we privilege these over other methods we could be using, like myth-making and so on. So, what's wrong with somebody understanding their position and in institution as to understand the world through a specific family of methods?
1: Well, um, I would, I would, I would perhaps. Uh, funny you mentioned Popper there, because I would actually dispute that premise. Um, he wrote this. Uh, I mean, there is, there is, I think, a very nice set of undergraduate lectures that has been recorded from him. Um, where Where he says that he, he was i think a professor of scientific method at the London School of Economics or something like that, and he says in that lecture that that he is uh, is a professor of a of a subject that uh, that he thinks does not exist but um, um, uh, his student firearm uh, i think uh, actually wrote a book against method um, which is which is sort of yet another kind of philosopher of science arguing against that idea um, and uh, um, now it it, um, it it is true that that there are certain i guess patterns of thought that are more conducive to under that seem to at least be more conducive to understanding um, the natural world than others um, but I think that 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 is still like, like what what patterns work you know how one thinks about them and so on all of these things are kind of um uh, more of a great
0: mystery than an exact science, to put it to put it like that. Mm. So th- then, um, t- to paraphrase you, let me just see if I'm understanding you correctly. It- it's that scientists should consider the c- certain methods better than others, but they shouldn't identify themselves with some of them.
1: Um, well, I mean, okay. That I'm not sure if that is sort of paraphrasing it exactly as I see it, because it's um, um, like this it is very unclear if one is ever, is ever using a method. Um, Because, you know, like, like people, people, as I said at the beginning, people have been thinking about the natural world without being conscious of it in in any way. And, and, you know, it is, it is, you know, like like thoughts are constantly arising in the mind. Right. And it's, it's, it, it often feels like a bit of a stretch to say that, you know, all these different thoughts one is having, um are arising as a result of a method um as opposed to just just arising there there is
0: a certain level of ambiguity that i think sometimes occurs there so people have been trying to solve problems for a long time but only recently Well, i I would argue that only recently um for maybe like the past 500 years they've been very productive in understanding the natural world and it does seem to be because of a family of methods right so doesn't the case of uh, the success of the enlightenment uh, lend credence to the idea that um certain methods are to be privileged and are more productive
1: um, well, um, I, uh, I do not exactly have a view on that, on that, on that subject. Um, for example, um, there, to be honest, I, I just sort of don't know. I, I kind of have various passing thoughts, um, on that issue, but, um, I mean, for example, there is this sort of question of, there is this sort of narrative about, um, the importance of the enlightenment. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not exactly obvious if that, to me, if that, if that narrative is in fact true. Or if that narrative is more of a fiction, um, and um, you know, uh, th- there are there are strong proponents for one of that positions, and there are strong proponents for the other. Um, and uh, what what they have in common, uh, ironically, is that I think that they both sort of agree that there was something very important about the Enlightenment. Uh, Because there is perhaps yet another third explanation where, you know, it was, it was, you know, it, it, you know, all of this had nothing to do to do with anything else. Maybe it was just, you know, economic progress that that allowed for, you know, like, uh, all this thought to be produced at the time, like, it's very, very difficult to sort of figure out exactly how causality works with with most of these things. Um, But but to this idea that it was due to to um, a change in method, I mean, like, well, that's like a lot of people at the time had that idea, but a lot of people kind of subsequently criticized that idea by, by sort of pointing out, well, I don't know, maybe something did change in the way we thought about things, but but nobody can really understand that change, right? Because uh, a huge part of that um, idea was that, was that you know, what is that... Is that what was this idea of reason really, that, that somehow or other reason is the way to, to understand the natural world, and what, for example, Hume and other skeptics subsequently pointed out is just that well, like, like, like this like this can't possibly really work as, as you know um, you guys are imagining it, because for example, I mean, as Hume pointed out, this is kind of the, the famous problem of induction, you know there is no way to kind of proceed logically i e by reason, from experience to you know, the, 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 the celebrated, you know, general theories of the Enlightenment, such as Newton's theory and such like. Um, and uh, so, so I do not know what, what opinion exactly I have on that issue, uh, but these are some of my
0: thoughts. Yeah, that was a very interesting answer. Uh, speaking of induction, let's get into the paper you co-wrote with uh, David right. that's coming out uh, mm-hmm. soon. Um, so you, do you want to describe it?
1: Oh, sure. So we, um, we wrote a paper on something called the Popper-Miller theorem, uh, Popper-Miller theorem was a theorem that Popper, that we previously mentioned in this podcast, and um, David Miller, um, basically, they, they published a short letter in Nature in 1983, um, where they presented uh, this, this very kind of short paradox where they basically claimed that, um, that uh, pro- well, the, the way they explained it was the idea that probabilistic support is not inductive. Um, That is quite vague, and and this was conceded by by many people kind of subsequently. Um, But the basic idea is is something like, um, so basically there is this this idea that somehow, and this idea is very much a part of common sense and was a part of various attempts to build an inductive logic at the time, which is simply this idea that that evidence somehow confers support on general theories. Um, And um, figuring out the right model of that of that support um, of how this sort of support works um, you know has been kind of one of the challenges that people have basically been trying trying to figure out uh, at the time and one of the ideas was that basically probability is is what, you know probability was considered as one of such possible sort of support measures and um, basically uh, um, what, what their what their theorem aimed to show was that was that this that this probabilistic support that evidence sort of confers on theories, i.e., you know, uh, a piece of evidence comes in and the probability of a particular theory, you know, increases by 10%, that that 10% increase can't really be understood as in any way being due to that evidence conferring some kind of inductive support on that theory. Um, And the way they made the argument is that they basically said, um, they basically identified two propositions. They said, look, this theory relative to this evidence, like really this first proposition is a kind of a, um, the deductive part of the theory relative to the evidence. And this other part of the theory is uh, the inductive part um, of the theory relative to the evidence. And they showed that um, the evidence always decreases the probability of this inductive part. Now, um, there are sort of two, I think there was a lot of kind of subsequent commentary on this, on this result. And the main, the main sort of the main points that people kind of made were, well, you know, the main points of the dispute were, well, in what sense is this proposition that they said was the inductive part? In what sense does it kind of capture, you know, all of a, you know, all of this theory that goes beyond the evidence, as they put it. Um, and then the other issue was, was just, was just, you know, because there is this sort of vague notion, um. Of, of, you know, inductive support and what exactly that means. Um, and so that was kind of another source of objections and what, and I think that the conversation has in many ways sort of moved on from there. Um, but we sort of thought that, that, uh, that that argument is sort of still interesting. We found sort of a couple of other ways of explaining it. Um, and, uh, I, I think they, you know, present kind of a very interesting challenge to this idea of, of um, you know, sort of, kind of tr- trying to use Bayesian reasoning to to either build an AGI or or for various other purposes, and we thought that would be sort of a very interesting thing to present.
0: Okay, did this serum fit a broader theme in Popper's work?
1: Um, well, it, it sort of did, right? So, so the basic idea that that Popper had. Um, um, that I think kind of sort of came out this theorem I think came out of kind of the same way of thinking about this was basically just this idea that that um, so he was interested in the idea of logical content of a theory. Uh, there was this idea that just like you can have you know this probability measure that you assign to theories, you can assign a content measure so the, the idea is that some theories say more than others, um, and you know the question was can you construct a measure of that kind and one of the interesting observations in in thinking about that measure is simply the fact that kind of the, the, the constraints or the rules it has to obey are exactly the same as, as the probability calculus basically. So, so in a certain sense, you can, um, you can always interpret some assignment of probabilities, right, as, as really being a kind of a statement of, um, um, as he put it, a degree of logical weakness. So, you know, if I say that one theory is um, more likely than another theory, um, I, you know, uh, th- there is a per- there is always this perfectly consistent interpretation where what I'm actually just saying is that um, um, you know if I say that this theory is more likely than that theory, I can say this theory says less than this theory. Um, that was kind of the idea of it, and um, and and basically um, what th- th- the reason, therefore, he I think kind of became skeptical of some kind of these probabilistic approaches to knowledge is simply the fact that, um, is simply the fact that, that as he saw it. Um, and I think that there, there are some reasons to to kind of think that this is in fact how people think. Um, is that is that what people actually want? What they believe in, what they seek, are not kind of these sort of tautology-like, contentless but likely theories, as it were, mm-hmm. but kind of these incredibly informative um, and and therefore uh, you know informative, explanatory, and therefore kind of less likely theories. Um, and if you want kind of ex- an example of the fact that, that people do seem to think about that way, right, there is something known as the conjunction fallacy um, that, that would seem to sort of support that. So um, there is this famous experiment. I think it was popularized by uh, Daniel Kahneman in his book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, which was, I think, the, the sort of case of Linda. So, um, the, you know, in this, in this experiment, you're told about um, a woman and you're given a bunch of information that, um, with kind of, you know, that, that are kind of stereotypically associated with being a feminist. And then the question is, well, is it more likely that Linda is A, a banker, or B, a banker and a feminist? And a lot of people uh, pick option B, even though um, the probability calculus kind of tells you that, 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 you know, option A has to be more likely than option B. And so the question can be well, why that is. Um, but I think that this tendency that he talked about sort of explains this phenomenon, Right the second fact explains the facts you were initially given, but option A, as I called, it doesn't um and and I think that this is sort of a part of a general theme where where people really do um you know sort of look for and as I said believe in explanatory general theories not by by um uh, n- n- not these sort of content. You know, not not, not kind of the, mo- the most likely theory. I mean, there are several European languages. I think the the German, um, German and Slovenian are, are the two that I know. Where I think that, um, like, if you were translate the the word for probability into English, it would be something like believability. Um, and uh, and uh, I think that you know, if you if you interpret probability in that way, sort of, um, I think that you know. the the believability of explanatory theories is always higher than the believability of, of these sort of, uh, um, less likely theories and therefore believability isn't really probability.
0: Okay. And can you explain why explanatory theories, uh, should be preferred? Um,
1: well, I'm, I'm not saying that they should be, I'm you know, um, I, I do, I do like explanatory theories. I find them interesting to think about and, and, kind of much more fun to engage with. Um, I mean, I can, I can give you his arguments for it. Um, I'm not sure if I entirely agree with them, but... Actually, but, I'm more interested in where you might disagree. Where, where might I disagree? Um, well, um, well, he, he, the, the, there, so, so for example, he points... So, 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 the, so there is this interesting question, right? Of what exactly is the role of this universal theories? Like, why, why do we have them? Why do we think about them? Why do we try to improve them and so on? Um, and his argument was that, that 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 people actually his argument was actually quite psychological. It was that people seem to have this need for regularity, um, and and you know if you put them in an environment um, without regularity, uh, people kind of go mad or or you know at least uh, uh, you know kind of kind of kind of invent regularity out of thin air. Um, and i think that's a very interesting argument i you know it, it, like th- there is this interesting question of why if, if this is true um i can't quite exactly see why this need for regularity exists um but it is it is something that 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 i think um is is uh is a is a uh, kind of worthy of exploration on the other hand i think that another thing that is great about explanatory theories is that is that they allow, and I think that this was another point that you would make, is that, is that they sort of allow for progress, right? Because it's only if you kind of create this universal explanatory theories and you go out there, um, you know, you will eventually find that, that something about it doesn't quite work. So you will replace it with another and then another one after that. But what is kind of happening in that process is that your, um, is that your kind of knowledge of the world is increasing um, in a way, it wouldn't if you just accumulated experiences, um, because you know if you were just accumulating experience, you might never go out there and try you know things that your universal theory says you should do, uh, and therefore discover that it is false. And another thing that can happen um, in this process of, of is that is that kind of various kinds of truth can accumulate in this in these general theories that are not present just in the experience alone. Um, and so I, I get, I, I'm not sure if this thing that I just said is his argument or something that, uh, it, it, or, or not, but, but it is, I think, another reason why explanatory theories um, play such an interesting uh, role
0: in, in, in life in general. I completely agree with everything there, but you didn't explain where you disagree with Popper. Well, well I mean, I, I said that, 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 you know,
1: it, it's, it's, it's somewhat unclear to me. Um, uh, this thing that I mentioned about the need for regularity um i'm not sure if it exists uh it's plausible that it exists but if it does i don't don't quite understand how it works um so that's that's kind of that
0: okay let me ask about being polymathic so this paper clearly pulls from a lot of disciplines and i think a lot of the work you do generally does um what advice do you have to a young person who's trying to be a polymath Mm -hmm. um well uh first of all the first piece of advice is is that is
1: that i would give is that ne- you should never take advice from me uh the second piece of uh the, the second thing i would say though is um is uh, um it actually relates uh, so 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 um it, again this sort of relates to just a particular um problem that i think i i, I think people are naturally interested in everything mm-hmm. um and it is only through through um again it's actually, it's actually very similar to the thing we talked about at the beginning. I think that, um, I think that the same, the same phenomenon that happens with the way people think about science sort of happens with learning. Um, so, you know, people learn all, all, all their life. Um, you, you, and in fact, people learn all the time, like you interact with information all the time, it changes you, but you never think, you never consciously think of changing yourself by doing that, or, um, you know uh, uh, trying to change it it 's only in very special circumstances that that you kind of try to think of yourself in that way, and I think a lot of what happens when one tries to do that is actually quite counterproductive um, like for example, there are a lot of ideas that 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 if you want to learn something you can 't just do it through osmosis, you have to be very very systematic about it, um, and I think that is basically completely false. Um, I think that um, Uh, And again, this sort of leads people in in this sort of very, very counterproductive direction where they think they need to study the fundamentals of something. And then there are, first of all, they think they need to study a subject. Then you think, okay, first I need to study the fundamentals, then the intermediate level, then the advanced levels. And all of these levels are fiction. There there is sort of none of that there. And all of these ideas were actually developed um, to, they, they they have always been developed to solve a particular problem or advance a particular need. And and I think what what is what is you know um, most if one wants to just have broad interests, I think the most important thing is is to just um, you know pursue whatever you're interested in, not be afraid or think that you can't understand it, and paradoxically um, not not actually trying to achieve any particular change in yourself, uh, but rather just sort of going going where the story goes. Um, Mm. Reading history is perhaps perhaps sort of helpful because because. a lot of books are kind of written with uh, with these ideas that I think are misconceptions in mind. Um, but, uh, you know, there is a, there is a substantial, uh, uh, but, but history, often, history of things often gets around that because um, like, you know, as I, as I said, like every single one, you, every single thing you see in a textbook wasn't written to be put in a textbook, wasn't developed so that somebody could learn it. It was, it was created by somebody who was trying to do something or understand something. And it was useful in a particular context. And that's why people adopted it. And that's why it eventually ended up in that textbook. But what often happens is that then that context goes away and all that remains is a textbook. And so you are left with all of these irrelevant-seeming information that was actually relevant to somebody at some point, but is no longer relevant to, to anybody that reads it, or at least not immediately relevant um, to how they approach it. So that are some of my basic thoughts on like, what I sometimes see kind of go weird. But I think that people, you know, polymath is not something you learn to be, it's something you unlearn to be, as, as some people would
0: put it. Awesome, that's very liberating advice. But let me ask you this, um, mm-hmm. should, you just, should a young person just be focused on learning what they find it interesting? Or as, as you mentioned, like people are trying to find solutions to the problem situations they're in, should they be purposefully trying to identify problem situations in existing knowledge?
1: Yeah, so, so I think that uh, when it comes to that, I think my impression at least is that the most important thing is to connect um, with other people or groups of people that are doing something uh, because there you will, um, you know, again, find, find something that you can contribute to um, as well as, um, you know, sort of get, get support for doing so and, and so on. Um, I think that, that, that is sort of very much an unsolved problem as a thing to, to kind of do at scale. Um, as I think we, we, uh, talked about at some point, um, like th- there is this idea that you could create a kind of a, um, th- th- there is often this idea that, that, that you, that one could easily create kind of a list of all unsolved problems in a given field and just put it on the internet. Um, and many people kind of think, well, this, this seems so simple. Like why doesn't anybody ever do that? And I think that is, that is actually incredibly difficult to do. I think that the kinds of information that you would have to put um, online is just, it's just incredibly, it, it, it's very, very unclear how one does that. And um, the key, the key thing is that, is that the key thing to realize is that, well, um, first of all, that, th- there really is no such thing as a, as an unsolved problem, I think, as conventionally understood. there are just a bunch of people, and, you know, like, one can form a view that that creating something would be valuable to them. Um, It often won't be valuable to everybody. It will only be valuable to a subsection of those people. Um, And those people might not actually know in advance that that's what they would want. And for that reason, it's actually quite difficult to sort of put – you know, th- that seems to be a kind, of, th- that's, that is kind of, a diff- it's a difficult thing to kind of put online, um, for that reason. Um, and, uh,
0: yeah. Oh, a interesting. Little... So, but if you're, uh, but if you're a young person who needs to connect to people to, um, who are solving the right problems or about to solve the right problems, but you yourself don't know what the right problems are because you haven't connected to them yet. I mean, how do you solve that circle? Right, so I think that that, that that is sort of
1: quite a challenge. And as I said, I'm, I think I'm terrible at this. Uh, there are people who I think are, are sort of, because I, I think you know it is very much the case, as you sort of said, that, that, that the whole thing has a bit of a sort of a chicken and egg problem to it, right? Because the whole idea is, well, you can't really contribute anything valuable because you don't know anything about you know what these people's lives are like, what you can contribute to it. And on the other hand, it's kind of difficult to join the conversation because you don't have anything yet to contribute to it, right? And so there are these sort of all kinds of idiosyncratic ways that that I think this this sort of happens and gets solved. Uh, But but there isn't anything – it's not an impossible problem to solve, but but it does require, I think, quite a bit of an experimentation. Um, I don't think I'm I'm the best person at this by by any stretch, Uh, but these are, I guess, are just some general thoughts in
0: that. Okay, so then young people connecting to mentors who are solving the right problems. Is this very hard? Is this impossible almost? Um, I, I actually, no, I
1: don't, think, I don't think so at all. I think that the, the main problem is just that, that it is somewhat idiosyncratic, right? So, so you, you cannot just sort of give, give, a, give, a, give a universal answer. Um, but I think that the, the, it's definitely not the case that, that the world is hostile to it. I think people are very sympathetic to attempts to do that. Um, um, you know, and, and, you know, as I'm, as, as basically you illustrate, I think, uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of that is very, very possible. And, uh, oh,
0: there's tremendous goodwill for young people out there. So, so that's,
1: yeah, yeah I, I I have sort of the same impression. And, uh, so, so, so yeah, I don't want to, like, I think, I think one, one of the worst things, perhaps, perhaps the reason I sort of bring this up is just because um i think people often just lack awareness of this uh they 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 kind of lack the awareness of the fact that that is kind of the main challenge uh or at least a thing that a thing that one ought to do um and uh yeah i guess for that for that reason i i think it is sort of worth mentioning
0: on that hopeful and optimistic note must us thank you for being on the show this is very fascinating thanks
1: thanks for having me it's been a pleasure